Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, Hawk fans. Welcome, Hawk fans. Welcome to another episode of Hawk Talk. I am your host, Colin Cole. And of course, we have another episode for you today. And, you know, it's going to be on the Purdue Boilermakers. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, Iowa's bye week and what the Hawks need to be looking at moving into the bye week in the second half of the season. But before I do all that, I want to go ahead and introduce my resident guest host, two-time All-Big Ten, three-year started offensive tackle. And, of course, if you're looking for that, that luxury piece of property up there in, 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 in Chicago, Illinois, overlooking Lake Michigan or whatever it is that you like, this is the man to talk to, the luxury real estate uh, mogul out there in Chicago, Illinois, David Porter. David, thank you for joining me on the show today, sir. Big C, man. You know, it's always a pleasure to join you. Yeah, yeah it, it's, I hope so. Unfortunately, it's under uh, a unique set of circumstances that's unique to the season, uh, considering uh, we have yet, this is the first drop in in, in, in game in terms of a loss. And of course it came at the hands of the Purdue, the Purdue Boilermakers. Let me give them some respect because those guys deserve respect. Uh, the way that they were able to go into Kinnick Stadium and manhandle the Iowa Hawkeye team. So David, man, it was uh, homecoming weekend, uh, number two ranking, the first time being number two in I don't know how many years. And um, facing a three and two Purdue Boilermaker team that was riddled with injuries coming off of uh, a bye week themselves, but also coming off of two straight losses before that bye week um, against Notre, Notre Dame, as well as against uh, Minnesota, I believe. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, considering the way that they were able to kind of do pretty much whatever they wanted to do. You know, uh, the Hawks came out in the first play of the game, they had that, uh, that, that slant, that quick slant that went to Keegan Johnson for 30 yards. But after that, man, it was, it was just not the same team uh, playing the remainder of the game, man. But, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's one thing, right? There's one thing to lose a game, but it's another thing to lose the game in the fashion in, in which this team lost. You know, we, we talked about throughout the season uh, about the offense, the slow starts in the offense. Uh, we talked a bit about during the season, uh, Spencer's Petrus, Spencer Petrus's command of the offense. And we also talked about uh, the youth uh, in terms of the offensive line and starting uh, two freshmen and one first year starter. And so it's, uh, I think some of that stuff kind of got uh, kind of caught up to him. Um, all of those different factors played a role, not to mention the emotionally charged win that they had against Penn State the week before. Uh, what do you think about what you saw on the field, particularly on the offensive line, offensive side of the ball, and how that kind of uh, manifested itself into what we saw that game and how that played out? Well, you, you hit on a lot of points here. You really did. Uh, we've been talking about a lot of things throughout this season. We've been doing what the pregame, postgame for the whole season now. And we've been very consistent in what we've been saying the whole time. The O-line is starting fast, right on offense. We're talking specifically about the offense. Our, our, we gave up, I forget, what did we give up? Four sacks in the game? Yep. That, that, that's, that's a lot. 
uh, and we have some pressures there too. You know, that starts to affect uh, the quarterback. When we talked about it before, we were talking about the offensive line started setting that, that pocket, right? So the Spencer can get comfortable back there. He wasn't comfortable, right? We had like four, uh, four INTs, right? And some of those passes were so errant. Um, it was obvious to me that he was under tremendous duress. Really was. My God. Uh, he took some hits out there. The O-line, um, you know, that right tackle position continues to be a point of contention for us. Uh, we had uh, several offensive linemen rotate in and out of that position throughout the game. Um, I haven't seen that in a while. That's, that's tough. I mean, for a kid to get in there and say, okay, this is my position, and then I'm in the game, I'm in the groove, and then I'm out. And then when I come back in, I'm in at a different position. Or if I come in and back in at all, or you got some guys coming in and saying, hey, I'm starting to press. Well, the other guy's already out here. He has the tempo. He has the pace of the game. You know, that defensive lineman that you're going against. And you're coming out there almost cold. It's tough uh, for kids to start doing that. Right? But people forget they're, they're still kids right now. They haven't gone through, like, a lot of things that professional players have gone through. Where it's more of a job. It's like, hey, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to go out there. When I got to turn it on, I can, like, I'm good. And it might take me a play or two. You know, that's tough. Uh, we're going to have to do some growing up there on that line. Um, you know, defense wasn't a great day there either. It's just really tough with David, with David Bell. Ah, he had a career day against us. Mm -hmm. 240 yards. That man made some money. <laughs> Real money. Yeah, yeah, he had a career day, you know, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it was, uh, it was difficult to watch, but, you know, it was, um, you know, it was a situation for me in terms of that side of the ball of, you know, a lot of pressure being on that side of the ball and having to live up to said pressure, but, you know, keeping it on the offensive side, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, Spencer's uh, being under duress most of that game. You know, he had uh, seven, he actually went 17 for 32, 195 yards, no touchdowns, four interceptions, which led him to having that 16% uh, QB rating. Um, so the lack of protection uh, definitely was on, his, on the front of his mind. Uh, he didn't get the ball out very much in terms of, didn't have a huge day production-wise with his receivers. Uh, Sam LaPorter, uh, he ended up catching five for 61 yards. No, no uh, receptions ended up being a touchdown, as we all know. Keegan Johnson had two for 50. Nico Regani, two for 29. Charlie Jones, two for 20. Tyler Goodson had four catches, 16 yards. Um, but the passing game, and it, was, it suffered at the hands of, uh, I would say, both the youth on the offensive line, those guys still learning and still growing and still learning how to mesh. Uh, I agree with you with what you're saying. I would also say that uh, there was just definitely a lack of, uh, without being able to protect Spencer, he definitely was not comfortable. So there was a lack of comfort for him uh, throughout the entire game. You know, I saw opportunities at times for him to get rid of the ball and he wasn't able to do it. I think he was just concerned with, uh, you know, put himself in position that he would get, get himself hit, you know? So it was, it was a tough, uh, going for for Spencer and his offensive uh, passing game, man. Uh, what do you think about how the play calling helped? Did it help or did it hurt? Uh, there was a key moment uh, in the game you and I talked about where uh, we decided to go for it. Well, we decided to, to go for a QB sneak 
uh, and ended up being two plays in a row late in the third quarter. Um, what do you think about the overall play calling and how this game kind of manifest, how, how it kind of played itself out? So now I, I get doing the QB sneak on third down when they're not ready for it. I get it. I even get it with like doing it on fourth down. Like we, we try something else on third down. But to do it two times in a row, and we didn't get it the first time when they weren't ready for it. So now that they're right again, I'm not sure what to do here. Man, they're ready for it. We didn't get it when they, when they weren't ready for it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And it just leads to, you know, another point of, uh, you know, what we're talking about here. The run game has been, I, University of Iowa has been synonymous to running the football zone scheme since the time we got, since we were there 20 some odd years ago. Zone, mm -hmm. outside zone, inside zone. What do you, what do you call it, 23B? That's, that's the oh. staple of the Iowa football program. It's just not been that way throughout the season, man. What's, what are some of the things that they got to do during this bye week to kind of address the, the, the run game and the offensive line? Well, I keep hearing this tight end youth. And when I went there, we were O-line youth. I'm not sure when we made that switch when the offensive line stopped being the central part of what we do at Iowa. Huge thing, because as you see, the offensive line—they're actually built to grind things out. Because and it takes pressure off of everyone. That's how it works, right? It, this is chess. We use our elephants, the big people, the ones that can absorb the pain, the ones that can absorb all those hits, so that the defense, the defense line, don't have to take these hits. They're built for more speed and more power, like explosive stuff. It's like. Glycolytic versus oxygenated blood, right? And muscle. You want something that's like fast moving? I'm going to go D line. You want something that's going to be like not as fast moving, maybe a little more uh, uh, sustainable? That's going to be the O line. You get that, that takes the pressure off the defense. The defense, hey, they start flying around. We keep them fresh. We got a chance. We've always had good defenses that I always. Right, that old line, bring that together, you know, find a way to say, hey, talking, how can I reach you? To say, hey, sit in your technique. I promise you, sit there. And if you have to take this guy on, he's going inside of you, and maybe you get trucked the first time, guess what? You're going to take it. You got to figure it out how that's not going to happen. You're not going to figure it out by not doing it. They got to figure out how to talk to these kids to get them to do what's in their own best interest so that we can have. It's all offensive line. It's going to take the pressure off of everybody else. I mean, I just don't. Football hasn't changed. That's how it goes. No question. No question, man. You know, but looking at the stats, it wasn't an overall poor performance by the backs. I mean, uh, between Tyler and, and Ivory, they, those guys had 18 carries for 71 yards, and Ivory had the touchdown. So, I mean, it was. It was a decent output for 18 total carries with 71 yards. But 
did they abandon the run game too soon? Was it, um, you know, was it was it lost so early that they didn't have a choice but to have to uh, continue to try and, and throw the ball and, and try to to to, uh, to, to penetrate Purdue's uh, defense? What did you see on your end? Well, what happened was Purdue was doing on their offense what we want our offense to do. They were sustaining drives and they were driving. They had the ball for more than we had it, right? I didn't look at the minutes, but I'm pretty sure they had it. They had us beat on, on time of possession, right? And they were able to sustain drives, put more plays on our defense. That our offense, few opportunities out there, and especially since the, the defense for Purdue was actually playing really well. They had a lot of pressures on us, right? They're in our backfield quite a bit. Our running game is going well, but when we get behind and we're not really moving the ball, we gotta we start passing. That's what happens. I mean, that's – and unfortunately, that's where the O-line is, the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. You know, the actual time of possession was not that lopsided. Purdue had 34 – had the ball 34 uh, minutes, 46 seconds. Iowa had the ball 25 minutes, 14 seconds. So, it wasn't a lopsided deal in terms of uh, Purdue having the ball and holding on to it. I mean, they had some quick strike plays. And so, that, that plays uh, – that plays a, a, a role in it as well. So, but uh, at the end of the day, man, it wasn't even about time possession. It was about, like you mentioned, being able to sustain drives and get off the field or stay on the field on third down. And that's what the offense, Iowa's offense was not able to do. Um, shifting over to the defensive side of the ball, Purdue did a tremendous job of getting third down after third down after third down. And it was uh, it was it was tough to watch because there was a couple times where there were passes. There was a pass interference on uh, I believe it was Jack who was trying to cut out and cover the, the, the running back and the receiver David Bell just ran flat it ran into him, and you know that, that was an interference call. Uh, there was also I know there was one one call where they threw the ball to the running back and we had him stopped short by like four yards, but he ends up running and 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 rolling over the top of one of our guys and then ends up. Uh, ends up, you know, getting the first down. But, you know, they did a tremendous job of just getting, getting uh, sustaining drives. Um, so it was, man, it was tough. But I, I, before we jump into that, I, I, I hate to full pause and, and do one thing. I got to say this because we talked about Purdue's defense. I got to say this. George Karloftis, the number five defensive end, is a man who, like you talk about David Bell has made himself some money. George Karloftis has made himself some money uh, as it pertains to getting his opportunity to play at the next level. Ten pressures, one sack, four QB hits. Uh, Karloftis was a man on a mission out there uh, on Saturday. Man, what did you see out of that guy? I mean, we talked about the, the struggles that the offensive line had and, and the offensive tackles had and, you know, uh, seeing second, third, and fourth team offensive tackles take the field. Uh, they all had to taste – Tasted this guy, George Karloftis, man. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that guy and how he was just a menace for our offense uh, on Saturday? He came ready to play. Right? He was prepared to go out there and do what he needed to do. And kudos to him. And we know how it goes in college football. You got to earn it every Saturday. He went out there this past Saturday, Mr. Karloftis, and he made himself some money. Really did. And I, you got to put some respect on that man's name, just like David Bell. They went out there and they performed, right? Ten pressures, 
one sack. Holy smokes. What was the other thing? Four, four QB hits. Four QB hits. That, that's a monster game. I mean, that does highlight some of the issues we were talking about on the other side of the ball for us, right? Their defense did a really good job. They were fresh. They were a lot fresher. I mean, getting 10 minutes fewer on the field. You got up. What was the difference in plays? I mean, you're talking about the difference in plays, too. Those differences. Almost, almost 20 more plays for Purdue than Iowa. Hey, I mean, that with a young offensive line, yeah, I say, Mr. George Koloftis, kudos to you. That uh, that secondary back there, getting their uh, their four takeaways from us, good for them. I mean, they they were opportunistic. It really was. Uh, like I said, they they did what I was used to us seeing, uh, what I was used to us doing to other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, they were able to uh, to create pressure. They were able to take the ball away. They were able to do pretty much what they wanted to do, like you said. And, um, you know, they definitely put some things on film that Iowa has to concern, be concerned with because they still have a number of games left in the season, and teams are going to definitely look at that film to look at what Purdue did to win that game. So this bye week is increasingly important to, to get some things figured out and some things fixed. Now, now we've talked about George Kalapas. Let's switch over to Purdue's offense. They ended up running a three-quarterback system and they, between O'Connell, Plummer, and Burton. Those three guys all got snaps and played well. Uh, O'Connell had – he went 30 for 40, 375 yards, two passing touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, and so they really ate us up, man, especially uh, in the passing game. You may, you may have mentioned to this a number of times, David Bell – 11 catches, 240 yards, one touchdown, and that long of 60 where he caught that quick slant and ran away from our man, Matt Hankins. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, the day that he had, the day that that offense had, they were able to sustain drive after drive and just uh, eat away clock. But eat, I would say the bigger part about what they were able to do was to to eat away at the confidence of a, a of an Iowa defense that has been stellar and strong throughout the season. Hey, what that offense did is they imposed their will. You know, Norm Park used to say that a lot. You know, the big part of this is imposing your will, and it's the battles of wills out there. Like, who's going to win? Is it going to be that person's will? Is going to be yours? They imposed their will on us. They really did. And we didn't have an answer. Mr. Belling, they had, they were what, nine for 17 on third downs? Mm -hmm. the, the third downs came at opportune times. They kept momentum when they needed it. They had the big plays when they wanted them. And they were consistently just driving, mm -hmm. driving. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. I, I need to make mention to O'Connell's uh, rushing touchdown in the first half, where he, he used the uh, the referee as a great blocker there to, to kind of sneak in past Kerner. But uh, like you said, man, he came in prepared. You know, Bell, you know, he had the highlights of the game, but the for total yardage, man, he had 378 yards receiving. And then you add to that 86 yards on the ground. So they had a well-rounded uh, offensive attack. And the three quarterback system was on point. 
Do you, what do you think about that? You know, they went into the bye week and they had some time to kind of game plan and think about some things and they decided to play their quarterback sparingly. What do you think about that? You know, when you see a quarterback that struggles the way Spencer did in that game, obviously, you know, four interceptions is struggling. I mean, two of them were in within the last, in the fourth quarter that, uh, you know, that last couple of minutes, um, but a total QBR of 16. What do you think about uh, Purdue doing something where they, you know, utilize all three quarterbacks? Is that something sustainable? Is that something that we need to look at doing? You know, is it something that uh, we've, we've seen dual quarterback or we've seen multiple quarterbacks played before in games? I remember back in the day, Florida had to do that uh, with a couple of their quarterbacks. What do you think about that in terms of as an offense? The, are you able to, I mean, clearly they were able to uh, sustain drives and you know, sustain that momentum. The offense ran the way it needed to with whoever was taking the snaps. But what do you think about that as it pertains to our offense? Is that something that we need to look at doing? Or um, what are your thoughts on that for an offense? So um, I'm okay with figuring out who you want to be your, your quarterback, right? Having like the, one guy comes in and does a wildcat. The other guy comes in and does, you know, the traditional plays. I get all that good stuff. Uh, I, that's just not something that we've typically done at Iowa. All right? We have mobile quarterbacks. You know, hey, that's what we have, a mobile quarterback. If we don't have a mobile quarterback, that's just what we have. We don't have a mobile quarterback. From what I understand now, we have that option. You know, I'm sure the coaches are looking at this in the bye week. You know, that. What Purdue, they, they, our coaches are having to do what Purdue had to do, what Purdue coaches have to do. Take a look and say, okay, what's our opportunity to get better here? What did we just expose about ourselves with this last game? All right, what are the other defenses we're looking at? We're going into Big Ten season, right? The defensive coordinators, they're really smart. They're really good. They're going to figure you out. Once they figure you out, it's just they're going to duplicate. It's McDonald's time, right? Doom, doom, doom. We see what's happening on, well, I won't say the other team in the, in the NFL, but, you know, you see what you see what happens. It's a matter of time. They catch on. Then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, this is it. This is the methodology. This is what we need to do to beat these guys. Our job right now is to reevaluate all this stuff and say, okay, let's come at this with a new perspective. Maybe do something we haven't done before. You know, that old adage? not doing the same thing over and over again and, and expecting a different outcome. We don't want to do that. Let's think that. Mm -hmm. No question, man. But that's definitely not <clears throat> a recipe for winning uh, consistently, but uh, for getting a game won when you're in a position like that and they, they were able to take advantage of the situation and made the plays that need to be made and, and uh, obviously got the win. Um, it's tough because, you know, we, we, we lost Riley Moss for a few weeks. Um, Matt Hankins did a tremendous job throughout the first couple of weeks. This game was a difficult one for him. You know, um, Roberts over there at the other corner position, you know, picks up a, a flag or two uh, throughout the game. The defense, the Hawkeye defense just didn't play the way that they had played throughout the season. Did end up getting one sack by Seth Benson, um, but no turnovers. This is the first time this season that this uh, this team did not have a turnover. And I would say that uh, 
that this definitely is a situation where, you know, this group, you know, you gotta have, you gotta have the ability to get off the field. You gotta be able to sustain drives on offense. Everything kind of works together. There's no, there's no, they don't work independently. Everything works together. Uh, Purdue's ability to sustain drives, kept their defense uh, fresh because the offense kept, kept on moving the ball. And our lack thereof created a situation where our defense was on the ball, on the, on the field far too long. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an eye-opener. It's one game, and, you know, you got to get ready for the next opponent. Um, that being said, man, I, I got to go over to the special team side. You know, uh, that's been one of the more consistent uh, groups. Yeah, they've been the most consistent group uh, for, for the team. Besides the defense being able to turn, create turnovers throughout the season, uh, the, the special teams has been the most consistent group. However, however, David, you know, this was a, this was a, a game that was just a, a tough game for everybody. You know, uh, Caleb Shudak missed his field goal opportunity. You know, uh, he made his extra point, but he missed the field goal, which would have made the game, you know, brought, brought the game to a 7-3, I think, at that point. He missed the field goal. Um, our man, Tory Taylor, he did well. You know, he had three punts for a total of 122 yards, a long of 45. So he did his job, the best of his abilities. But, um, you know, I would say it's it was just a thoroughly in all three phases. And that's not something that we could say very often. But in all three phases, Purdue uh, held the winning edge in this game, man. Hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. Hey, I smile because Tory Taylor, the Aussie bomber, that's my dude. Yeah. He's just Mr. Consistent. He's really good. And, but yeah, we were uh, all three phases dominated. Mm -hmm. I just, the numbers are what they are. Yeah. They are what they are. And this team has to go to the drawing board. Thankfully, the bye week comes along at a, an opportune time, and you know the the uh, this this group can get an opportunity to sit and, and relax, right? Sit and relax and try to regroup, find themselves, and try to figure out what's next. Um, so that being said, David, going into the bye week, this being a bye week, what are some of the things that uh, this team needs to look at to you know focus in on for the remainder of the season? It's going to be the same thing. Same thing we've been saying the whole time, right? Start fast. Get that O-line solidified. All right, once you do that, it's going to take some pressure off the defense. Now we have to add something to do it. we got to get healthy again. I did not know. I didn't expect losing Riley would hurt us that much. I mean, we lost a bit of our swagger. Like, there's some things that people bring to the team that aren't just on the field, right? It's, there's something to be said about that swag. And that dude has that swagger, and he brings that to that defense. Because that boom kind of didn't really show up like I, like I was used to them, like I was used to them showing up. And the only thing I could see that was really the difference was he wasn't there as far as the players. I mean, as far as the guys, it was him. So it, it's just, you know, you just never know that we never had that one play. And I can think of, like, in all the games, we've had, like, this one thing where we got momentum, and it just switched. And we didn't look back. That never happened in this game. All right. We got behind. We started slow. And we just stayed slow. We never had that one play. Um, so, yeah, start fast. You know, 
get that off the line, shore it up. And then when you're down, find a way. Somebody, somebody step up and be the guy. Be that guy. We need you to be that guy for us. You know, be the one that goes across the middle, catches the catch. Be the guy that makes that big hit. Right? Be the guy that makes that block when no one else thought you were going to. Be that guy. We need someone to be that guy for us. When momentum isn't on our side, be that guy and switch it for us. Please. No question. No question. They got to find that guy. Like you mentioned, they got to find that guy. Well, moving forward in the season, the Hawks have five more games. Purdue has uh, six more games. They play next week. They host Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, after this, I should say they host Wisconsin Badgers this Saturday. And that's, uh, that's going to be a three o'clock. <coughs> Excuse me. And then we actually go up to Wisconsin for our next, our next game on October 30th. Uh, we head up to Madison to play the Badgers, who are three and three. They've had a bit of a difficult season themselves, uh, unable to find their footing fully. But uh, for the Iowa to bounce back, David, what, do, what uh, against Wisconsin coming off the bye, what are some of the key things they got to focus in on? If they can focus on just playing to the best of their ability versus playing against the, their opponent, like in their opponent's ability, and as a tough, I don't know if that made sense, but like, don't play to the level of the competition. Let's put it that way. Or don't play to the anticipated level of your competition. They don't matter, right? Go out there and play the best that you can play. And they're just in the way. If you meet somebody that's better, figure it out. I don't think you're really going to find somebody out there that's just like that dominant over you. Not this level. So like, yeah, do that. Well, yep, they, 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 they have an opportunity, right? So yeah, every, every week, every game is an opportunity. And being at home, you get a chance to win at home, right? You take, it, you take some time off, you get some guys healthy, get them, get them the treatment they need so that they're prepared for the, the, the following week. Because, again, there's five games left in this season, uh, yep. starting with Wisconsin. And the Big Ten West has yet to be determined. So uh, there's still an opportunity to get to the Big Ten Championship game. Clearly – this next game, a week from Saturday, is going to be the key. Um, and then, of course, actually, they got a two-game road stretch where they got to go to Wisconsin. They got to turn around and go to Northwestern. So uh, they got to go to Madison, and they got to turn around and go to Chicago. So it's not going to be an easy uh, road whatsoever. And then Minnesota comes, comes to town. So it's going to be a tough streak of games starting with October 30th uh, down there in Madison. Um, so my thing for them is – just reestablishing themselves, relearning themselves, figuring out who they are. I would say they know who they are. They just have to reaffirm who they are right now and get back to doing what Iowa football is, you know, creating turnovers. But on the offensive side of the ball, we got to we got to sustain drives. got to get to running the ball and using uh, the run game to create play action options for them. Uh, and then, like I said, defensively, creating turnovers again would be a great opportunity, great chance to, to to, uh, to keep teams obviously out of the end zone, off the field, and uh, give our offense additional opportunities to score. So those are the areas they have to get focused in on. I'm sure that uh, Kirk and staff are going to work on those things uh, fully throughout the, the bye week and in preparation for Wisconsin, and what should be a, a pretty strong run going down the, the stretch uh, with hopes of getting to Indianapolis in December. So with that, that's our show for the day. Thank you guys for joining us. I'm Colin Cole uh, for David Porter. This is Hawk Talk. Thank you guys for joining us again. I uh, will catch you on the next show. Uh, God bless and go Hawks.
Go Hawks, baby. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.